As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. She's a fashion blogger, model, and entrepreneur. She's amazing. The latest tips on fashion, beauty, wellness, travel, and her lifestyle. And now, here's the founder and creator of Not Basic Blonde, Olasha. Hi loves, welcome back to another episode of Not Basic Blonde podcast. Today I have very special guest and relationship expert on my podcast. Hannah Anderstein is a deputy editor of dating at Elite Daily, where she leads coverage of single life, dating, relationships, breakups, sex, sexuality, and celebrity relationships. She's also the author of four novels, Mean to be Mine, Head Over Heels, Love at First Like, and Playing with Matches. Previously, she worked as a writer and editor at Seventeen.com as a matchmaker for dating service in New York City. She studied journalism at History at NYU. She's also written for Bustle, The Cut, Refinery29, Cosmopolitan, Mary Claire, and more. So today, Hannah and I will be discussing a lot about modern dating, relationships, the best advice for women, and how to find the perfect partner, and so much more. But before we dive in, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Not Basic Blonde podcast on Apple Podcasts. Hi, Hannah. I'm so glad to have you on. And you've been such an incredible writer and also contributor and writer for Elite Daily and all the other great accomplishments you had. We would love to know more about you. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm the senior, sorry, that's not even my title anymore. I'm the deputy editor of dating at Elite Daily, 
which means that I oversee all of our content about single life, dating, relationships, breakups, sex, sexuality, sexual health, and some celebrity content, some astrology content as well. I lead a really great team of writers and editors, and then I'm also an author. And so I just had my fourth book come out in June, and it's called Meant to Be Mine. And it's a rom-com about a woman in New York City who knows the exact day that she's going to meet the love of her life, thanks to a prediction from her very eccentric but very fabulous grandmother. So right now, I mean, I live in New York, but I'm in Maine for the summer, and I'm working on my next book and still writing and editing. Wow, you're really busy. You saw the great things you're doing. And how did you become a part of Elite Daily? Did you have to have experience prior to that? Or, and also, how did you actually choose dating as being your main focus? Yeah, it's kind of a funny story. Um, so I always wanted to work in magazines. I wanted to be a writer or an editor. And so I went to school to study journalism. And I was doing these internships at different magazines. So I was at 17, I was at L, I was at Cosmo, some other places. And um, in between my junior and senior year of college, I sort of took a detour and I was offered a job working as a matchmaker for a dating service. And I kind of had to say yes, because it was just so completely out of left field and wild. And I knew that I would get some really interesting life experience out of it. And I did, I learned a lot. Um, I was 21 matching people in their thirties and forties who wanted to get married. I had no idea how to get married. Um, so it was just really not a great fit for me in terms of skills, but um, I had a really great time. And then after college graduation, I did wind up working in magazines. I wound up at 17.com where I wrote about a big range of topics. Um, you know, everything from pop culture to, you know, issues in the news that would affect teen girls. Um, but I was also writing about sexual health because, you know, in the United States, a lot of teenagers just aren't getting the kind of education that they need in school. And so I was passionate about writing that for them. Um, and so sort of a mix between, you know, my writing about sexual health and my matchmaking background sort of pushed me in this direction of, you know, thinking, okay, maybe I can write about dating, you know, in the next phase of my career. And it was just something that interested me a lot. Um, you know, I think that it really like the way that we date reveals so much about our culture and our values and, you know, what's important to us as individuals. Um, and it can be such an isolating experience and a lonely experience, even though we're all going through it at various points in our life. And so I saw this job open up at Elite Daily and it was for a dating editor. And that was almost five years ago. And so I've been there for five years, just working my way up the ladder. And yeah, that's how I got here today. It's wonderful. And being a dating expert, what do you see? What kind of trends do you see the most are happening right now? Because there are millennials and Gen Z generation. We, we are a little bit different, similar, but still, you know, and we have different, I guess, dating styles, maybe because what we are used to and what they're used to, it's different and we still kind of cross paths because I see so many of my friends in 30s dating younger guys mm -hmm. and vice versa but also what do you see the most being a huge trend and the next question would be what do you see is the most problem we are facing right now Mm. I mean, I think the biggest trend is the biggest problem, which is that, you know, since 2020, loneliness has been a really huge problem for so many people, especially for Gen Z. It's um, a, the Pew Research Center did a study and found that they're now the loneliest demographic just because, you know, because of the pandemic, they were so socially isolated. And these are 
really important formative years where you, you know, start to figure out, you know, what kind of values do you want in a relationship? Like, what do you care about in a partner? You know, how do you date? How do you, you know, have all of these different experiences and to be, you know, stuck at home during that time when you, you know, want to be out there exploring, you know, I think was really hard for a lot of people. And even though our, our world has, you know, hopefully started to move on and things are getting a little bit better, um, you know, I think missing out on that time has really impacted a lot of people. So I think people feel embarrassed or ashamed about their lack of recent dating experience. For people who, you know, never got to start dating, you know, they might feel really ashamed about being a late bloomer. For people who, you know, maybe took a pause from dating, um, I think there's some nerves around getting back into it. So I think the good news is that if everybody is sort of in the same boat of feeling lonely and ashamed and disconnected, you know, it's not just you, you know, at least like there are other people who understand what you're going through. So, yeah, I mean, I would hope to see in the future, um, you know, just as things continue getting safer, that that problem goes away because, um, you know, human connection is just incredibly important. I see this dating now that everyone is kind of being by themselves and being comfortable with it and some people get too comfortable with it that don't even want to start a dating game because it's just too crazy out there like everyone is saying you know when they start going on the apps or just try to do it in person and then you get hit by all these issues that other person had previously and they didn't work on them and they kind of entering a new relationship with this issue so i see a lot of it happening and also like you said women are most of the women are complaining that they have not been dating and been out of this for so long that it's so hard for them to start and like the point is you just have to start it because you just there is no perfect time so yeah i mean like you said, you know, with people dealing with issues, therapy is amazing. I think everybody should go to therapy. I think there's no better time to go to therapy than after a breakup. So you can sort of figure out what happened and set yourself up really well for your next experience. Um, but also there is this really funny, it's not intended to be funny, but it was funny story that recently came out on psychology today. And it was basically this guy saying, there's this huge epidemic of single lonely men, and there's never really been you know, something like that in those numbers before. And the reason that they're finding is that it's not that women don't want relationships. It's that they don't want relationships with these men who don't know how to treat them, don't know how to act, don't know how to figure out their issues. Um, so yeah, I mean, people want relationships, but not if they're going to be really difficult and unsatisfying. Yeah, exactly. It's like, basically, are you single or are you just not wanted? <laughs> because of all the issues that you have to fix first <laughs> i mean no shame in that everybody has issues but i mean yeah. do something about them so true and where do you guys usually get your content from for elite daily is it you just kind of cover the most interesting stories or what's the kind of pattern there I mean, we do a ton of different things. So, I mean, we really like to do sort of like dating and relationships and sex 101. So addressing truly like, you know, holding a reader's hand and walking them through all the different situations and problems they can encounter in a new relationship or going through your first big breakup. Um, you know, we want to be that resource for people. 
but also, you know, stories can come from anywhere. Um, you know, we wrote about West Elm, West Elm Caleb, and that came from TikTok. We're constantly writing about different things that are inspired by the drama on The Bachelor, um, you know, stories that are inspired by celebrities. Um, you know, celebrities' love lives are more similar to ours than you might think, um, and the same problems that we have, they're going through too. So there's a lot of overlap that we can write about. That's incredible. And for just new listeners, or just listeners, what would you say is dating one-on-one nowadays, like in our society? Because it definitely changed. I see COVID changing our lives. And when we got back into our routines and got back into back to normal, it still was kind of feeling off and kind of different. But yeah. what do you see in dating? Like, what would you say is dating one-on-one right now? I think people are um, more willing to do a FaceTime first or a phone call first. And I think that can be a really great step, especially if you are nervous about getting back into dating. Um, you know, you can sort of feel out somebody's vibe over FaceTime or a phone call. Um, I also think it's a really great trick for people who are just very busy and don't have time to date, you know, you know, to go on a first date with everybody who asks and just see like, do I like this person? It really cuts down on how many people you have to go out and meet. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that people are, um, you know, more open to just different kinds of dating. Um, you know, I think people for a long time thought, okay, a date has to be drinks at a bar, but people are drinking less than they used to. People, you know, have now because of COVID gotten used to dates that are, you know, let's go on a walk or, you know, let's do something, you know, totally different. Um, so I think that it's just becoming more open. I think that you can sort of customize a first date to what feels really good to you. And how does it feel for you to work for such a famous publication? And how, like, did you have any challenges when you started? Um, you know, I love working here uh, and it's a startup. So I feel like I've kind of grown up alongside it, which is nice. Um, so I'm just really proud of everything that we've been, been able to do over the past several years. And I'm just excited to see, you know, how the site continues to grow. I really admire you and I love it how you actually pursue your dreams and follow that because I when I was starting I did not kind of follow my dreams I only started in 2017 started following my dreams but before I went to college and I just done corporate America you know an IT project management and it wasn't my dream job but I still did it I mean mm -hmm. I was good at it but I still did it but I love how now a generation mostly pursuing their dreams and doing what they love because it's very important that's how you actually project your talents to the world yeah i guess i mean but i think that i mean i would imagine you probably learned all sorts of important skills in that corporate job even if you didn't like it you know like you can still take things from that and use them while you're doing what you love so true i did it was a lot of experience but it was kind of like growing up job because the tasks I had to handle, I was kind of like the youngest in the room to handle all the tasks that I was doing and managing the huge projects and doing processing huge budgets as well. So it's a lot of responsibility. <laughs> yeah. True. If you can do that, you can do anything else. So yeah, that's true. I it, it did help me. Now I'm thinking back and it actually did help me to do what I do now. So yeah, it was a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's how I think about matchmaking. It was, I mean, it was fun, don't get me wrong, but 
you know, even if I didn't wind up working as a matchmaker for the rest of my life, like it taught me so much about how to be a professional, you know, how to work with other people, how to get through really tough problems and solve them and sort of keep it cool. So yeah, I think that, um, I think you can't go wrong, you know, exposing yourself to different kinds of experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And you being so young, doing such a responsible job, how did you handle it? How did you, did you have any success stories? Did you match some people that actually got married? No, I was a terrible matchmaker. Zero matches. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think I really let, you know, my nerves about being perceived as somebody who is young and inexperienced um, get to me. And I mean, rightfully so, like, I don't think that I should have been in that position to begin with. I don't think that um, I really had any qualifications to be a matchmaker. So my self-doubt was correct. But um, yeah, I mean, I think those are sort of situations where you have to fake it till you make it. And I just thought, okay, you know, let me forget about the fact that I'm in college and I have no idea what I'm doing. Let me just, you know, try to learn from people around me and do the best job that I can. And um, yeah, I think that's all you can do. That's all you can, you know, ask for. Go into your, going back to your book, what inspired you to write it? And what was the main idea behind it? Yeah, so I started writing this book in April 2020, so the pandemic had just begun, and I wanted to write something that felt really vibrant and full of life and exciting and just the complete opposite of everything that we were currently going through. You know, we were living through this time that was stressful and scary and monotonous and, you know, really limited. So this sounds so silly, but, you know, I missed wearing real clothes. I was wearing sweatpants all the time. And so I decided that my main character would be a fashion stylist. And so she works in the fashion industry. And, you know, I missed seeing live music and going to bars and restaurants. So her love interest is a musician and they have all these dates in really fabulous places in New York City, in Brooklyn, where I live. And I really missed my grandparents. You know, I wanted to go give them a hug. That wasn't safe to do. So the next best thing was writing this really incredible grandmother character who sort of is the heart of the book. Um, so that's where the idea came from. And I really think that it was such a gift to have that project going during the pandemic because I could sort of escape the real world and dive into this world. And this just felt like a safe place to escape to. Such an amazing story you included in the book. And I can totally relate to this because I've done the same as my podcast. I was really busy and pandemic didn't even feel terrible to me because I was so busy and I was always recording. So it was a lot of fun. So like, like you said, you escaped it and I did the same kind of. Yeah. yeah. And my book is a love story. It's about a woman who knows the day that she's going to meet the love of her life. But once that day rolls around, um, she has a lot of self-doubt and she isn't sure that things are going as perfectly as they should. And it's, you know, it's about this love story in this own particular world where you kind of do have to buy into this idea that, you know, maybe she really does know this day and like, it's about fate versus free will. But also I think it's sort of, it represents the struggles that a lot of us have, you know, the pressures that we put on ourselves to, you know, meet the right person on the right timeline or to live up to your family's expectations when it comes to picking a partner. So I think that, um, I hope that the book is relatable for a lot of people. It is very relatable, especially when you talk about perfect partner. And nowadays in our world, it's definitely so hard because no one is perfect. You just have to find your perfect. And 
based on Elite Daily news, the latest updates, what do you think when you guys discuss the perfect partner topic? What was the main articles or takeaways on this? Mm, I mean, I think you just said it, right? Like nobody is perfect. You just have to find the perfect person for you. And that's going to look different for everybody. So um, on Elite Daily, we're constantly interviewing people like therapists or dating coaches or matchmakers real matchmakers, not me, um, who, you know, offer advice on how to really listen to somebody on a date and really understand what they're saying and figure out, you know, does your vision for what you want your life to be match what this person is saying? And, um, you know, it's a lot of self-awareness, introspection, really great listening skills, really great communication skills, um, you know, having that honesty and bravery to know what your values are and say them and put those out loud and stick to them and walk away from a person if they're not going to be able to provide what you want or what you need. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that the idea of a perfect partner is sort of silly, right? Like you're not going to find every single trait that you want in one human being, but if you can find 90% of those traits, 95% of those traits, as long as you have the most important ones there, I think that's a perfect person. I think that's a realistic relationship. Yeah, 100%. I would agree in this. <laughs> well, before, of course, I, of course, I had different idea. I thought, you know, in my 20s, I thought there is a perfect guy that has all the checks, all the boxes. But now I'm in my 30s and I think there are no boxes to check. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to find basically what you like and what you're comfortable with and what you can be compatible with. Yeah. And the perfect person for you might check boxes that like you didn't even think existed, you know, like they might be totally different than what you expected, but on the inside, like have those characteristics that you're looking for. Yeah, it's so true. You're also a co-founder of Heartbeat. Would you please tell us more about it? Yes. So Heartbeat is a newsletter on Substack. It's theheartbeat.substack.com. And every week, my co-founder, Georgia Clark, and I send out an original short story about love written by one of the best romance writers working today. So we featured stories by Alison Cochran, TJ Alexander, so many amazing authors coming up soon. And I, it comes out every Friday morning at 10 o'clock. And I really love these stories. They are hopeful, uplifting, diverse, and fresh and modern and funny. And it's just, we launched it this summer and it's just now one of my favorite things to do. That's amazing. I love it. And for you to be a writer and go in on the fifth book, what can you tell to someone who wants to write a book? And I know writers hit a lot of writer's blocks and it's just to get over writer's block, you just have to start and just keep like have to keep writing and brainstorm and just keep doing it. But in your experience, how was it for you to write the book and publish it? I know I feel like when I have the actual product after that I've worked on for so long, it feels so great and rewarding. And especially when you get feedback from your readers and all that is even more rewarding. But to get to the point, you have to go through all this steps and how you as a writer can give what's the best advice for those who are just starting or who want to write a book what would be like how can you overcome challenges if you face any along the way well you will face them along the way that's normal <laughs> that's something that every writer encounters so if you're struggling you're not alone 
But, you know, when I was writing my first book, I was working at 17.com and I was writing seven, eight, nine stories a day, you know, quick blog posts, but writing from seven o'clock in the morning to seven o'clock at night. And it was really fast. And there was no chance to opt out. You couldn't say, oh, I don't know what to write anymore. Like I have writer's block, I'm done. No, like that's my job. Like I have to keep going, you know? So coming from that mindset, um, you know, I really don't think that writer's block is real. I think if you want to write something, if you have to write something, you will find a way to do it. And I think if you give into this idea that writer's block just happens to you and, oh no, you just, you know, you can't get the words down on the paper. Um, I think you just have to not buy into that myth. So what I've learned is that writing is like a muscle and the more that you do it, the easier it becomes and it becomes second nature. And soon enough, you're not going to feel writer's block anymore. So what I do is I write on a schedule um, every weekend from about like 10 or 11 AM to three o'clock, I block out some time on Saturdays and Sundays. And that is my writing time. And no matter where I am, what I'm doing, I drop everything that is my writing time. Um, I also sometimes write, you know, a little bit after work, but I mean, getting into that space of, okay, I know it's Saturday morning. I know that my coffee is here. You know, I'm going to put on the music that helps me focus. And like, you just have to get into that space and go for it. I think the other thing that was really helpful to me when I was writing my first book was having a deadline. So, you know, I, nobody was giving me this deadline. I just sort of made it up for myself. Um, and I just guessed like, okay, maybe it'll take me six months to write a first draft. And so I mapped out six months on the calendar, you know, that was my deadline. And I really made sure to stick to it as best as I could. So every single week I would track how many words I had written. I knew that a novel for my genre, which is commercial fiction, um, is typically about 80,000 words. So I figured, okay, 80,000 words divided by six months, how many words do you have to write a month? How many words do you have to write a week? Um, and I just tried to make sure that it was hitting that goal because the thing is, if you don't give yourself a deadline, you can sort of push it out forever. And you can say, oh, you know, I'm really busy this week. I'll, like, I'll just catch up next week. And it, it it's not going to happen. Um, I think you have to be really disciplined with yourself at first because you, you want to tell the story, you know, it's really important to you and writing a book is hard, but it is so worth it. As you were saying, like, it's really satisfying when you finish a project of that scope. And, you know, especially when you get to have a conversation with a reader, um, or even just, you know, know that you've completed a huge goal, like that just is very powerful. So I think the more strict you can be with yourself, even if it's hard in the moment, you'll think yourself down the road. I love it. And I love how you said you set yourself deadline, but by you telling this, I can tell you're very disciplined and, you know, most of us probably wouldn't set deadlines and force yourself, I mean, to do something. But of course, if you want to succeed, you kind of have to give yourself a plan and deadline that really helps. Because otherwise, like you said, you'll be pushing it forever. It never happens. Yeah. I mean, I think if you want to write a book, if you have an idea for a book, you are a creative person. You know, you're a person who has this big idea and wants to achieve it. And you owe it to yourself to really try and give it your best effort. And I think that if you don't like, you know, maybe you'll regret it and just, yeah, I just think you have to go for it and it's okay. If it doesn't work the first time, you can always scrap it and start again. Yeah, so true. And what is your new book is coming out? When is it coming out? And what is it will be about? So I can't talk about it yet. It's too early. But what I can say is if you are a fiction writer or an aspiring fiction writer, you should join my Facebook group. 
called Hannah Orenstein's Group for Fiction Writers on Facebook. And it's full of writers who are trading tips and encouraging each other and editing each other's work and cheering each other on. And I would love to have you as part of my community. Oh, that's amazing. And leading to my next question, for women now, like millennials, Gen Z generation, what would you give? What would be your best advice as far as dating and just finding partner? Because you see so many stories and you talk to so many experts every day. You have a lot of experience on this. So I would really love to know your opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's a big question, but I think you... I think it's honestly very similar to my advice for writing a book. Um, you will encounter struggles. That is normal. And also it's worth it to stick it out, even if it's hard. Um, you know, you need to kiss a lot of frogs before you find the right person. And if you find yourself going out with people and you're just not clicking with somebody, like, no, that is very normal. Like it's far rarer and stranger to, you know, hit it off immediately with the first person you meet and fall in love and get married and live happily ever after. Like it's normal to hit roadblocks and feel like you're not doing it right. Um, but chances are you're probably exactly on the right track and doing exactly what you can be, what you should be doing. So yeah, I would say just, you know, give yourself a little bit of grace. Um, I think therapy is amazing. I think everybody should do it if you can. And I would say, you know, know that you are on your own timeline and you can't compare yourself to what anybody else is doing. And, you know, maybe you're sick of every single person on your Instagram getting engaged like every day, or, you know, maybe your best friend has been married for years and you just wish that you could be in that club with her. But, you know, ultimately it's going to happen for you when it's going to happen. And you, you can't, you can't change it. You don't have any control over it. So you might as well just, you know, enjoy the ride as much as you can yeah I couldn't agree more and us as women we have a lot of social pressure to get married at a certain age to have kids at a certain age and to start family and all that but we do have many goals that we still want to achieve so the timelines are so different for everyone and I know it was a lot of judgment before now it's kind of like you know canceled culture everyone is doing what they want but before it was really tough. And I can say my parents got married when they were 18. I was born when they were 19. I was like, I'm thinking back. I was like, were you guys crazy to do that? But it's so young. But I mean, of course, I love to have young parents. It's, it's so much fun. But still doing that at that age. Well, that was a kind of trend back then. Well, when I was growing up in Ukraine, but... Of course, in the U.S. it's totally different. Even when I came here when I was 17, I noticed totally different trend that everyone here is more kind of uh, separate, like kind of by themselves. And they're not afraid to be alone. They're not afraid to just chill at home by themselves. And in Europe and other countries, it's more like everyone is used to being a couple. And if you're not, there's something wrong with you. But mm, that's a big it's difference. not true. Yeah. I mean, I'm single now and I really think, you know, I should cherish these years, years. I should savor them. You know, like one day I am probably going to have to live with a husband and loud children and noisy children. And I should just enjoy this period of being able to do whatever I want, decorate my apartment, however I want do exactly what I want to do when I want to do it. Um, and that's such a gift. And I think if you waste it being upset about being single, you know, in a couple of years, you're going to look back and say, why did I do that? Yeah, exactly. And now even so many women 
going through bad experiences. They don't even want any of that anymore because everyone goes through several challenges and after they just give up. But I think you should never give up. You should still give it a chance. But as far as, you know, as we talked earlier, dating life has been, it's been wild for women as I hear because I have mostly women on my platform. So I get a lot of DMs, responses from them and all the time and help messages help me to do this. How would you do yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody's going through it, but I mean, like I said before, like that means you're not alone. Yeah. So true. And where can our listeners find you? I know you mentioned your Facebook group and what are your social handles where they can purchase your book? Yeah. So thank you. Um, so my Facebook group is Hannah Orenstein's fiction writer group. Um, you can find that on Facebook. My Instagram is where I am most of the time. It's not just talking about writing in books, although of course I do a lot of that too. Um, I also talk about dating and fashion and New York city and travel and family and friends. Um, and my cat Eloise is very cute. And that is Hannah Orens, H-A-N-N-A-H-O-R-E-N-S. And you should also follow Heartbeat, which is my newsletter. And you can subscribe at the link in my Instagram bio. And as for my books, you can also buy all of those in my Instagram bio as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Hannah, for being my guest, sharing your incredible experience. Thank you so much for having me. I loved getting to meet you. And this was such a fun conversation. Yeah, thank you. That was all for today, guys. I hope you really enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Not Basic Blonde podcast is available on all the major platforms with new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday to support the show tag NBB podcast on your Instagram stories and check out more behind the scenes on Instagram as well at notbasicblonde underscore or NBB podcast. And if you haven't, subscribe, rate and review Not Basic Blonde podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.